Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Would you please open up your Bibles to Genesis 18, verse 19. Two verses will be our text for this morning. This one, Genesis 18, 19. And this is what we read. God dealing with Abraham, our father in the faith. We all have earthly fathers. Abraham is our father in the faith. God says this concerning Abraham. He says, For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. And then Proverbs 3.12, For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Let us pray. Father, feed us now from your word. We pray, Father, that we will have a better sense of the coming judgment seat of God and of your perfect weighing of our actions as fathers and as husbands and as pastors and elders and as civil magistrates. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of every one of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look at Genesis 18, 19 again. God has chosen Abraham, so out of all the earth there are only certain individuals that God chooses to have a relationship with. And in the Old Testament, way back thousands of years ago, God chose Abraham. And why did God chose, choose him? For I have chosen him, God says, so that, so that's the purpose clause. This is why I've chosen him, so that he, Abraham, may command his children and his household after him. So God chose him so that he would command his wife and his children, his household, his servants, to what? To keep the way of the Lord. In other words, to walk in God's path. God chose Abraham so that he would command his children to walk in God's ways. And what are God's ways? God's ways are doing righteousness and justice. And what will result from that? So that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. So God has given a covenant to Abram. God wants to fulfill the covenant of blessing. The way that's going to happen is Abraham will command his children, then they will do righteousness and justice, and then God will bless them. Now, at the center of this statement about God's relationship is what? The word command. And it is the word command that is missing from the most conservative Bible-believing homes in America today. It's, this word is missing from our homes. Our, 
husbands, our fathers, our elders, our pastors do not have command authority. And it's worse than that. Our husbands, our fathers do not want command authority. And what we must see is if we refuse to command, what will happen is God will not bring the blessings of the covenant on our children because they will not keep the way of the Lord. It's very simple. God does not make covenants that don't depend upon faith on the part of his people. And if there's anywhere that faith is needed today, it's needed in fathers desiring and living command authority. Because the entire world is conspiring to remove command from fatherhood. Right? We talk a lot in this church about the husband being the head of the wife and the wife needing to submit to her husband. That's not what I'm talking about today. Today I'm talking about the necessity of the husband leading his wife. We don't like to hear about that because it's so much better to talk to the wife about the need to submit to her husband. Nobody wants to hear a sermon on the obligation of a father to command his household. Yesterday, we have to have the garden story, right? Yesterday, Mary Lee and I are out in the garden, and for once in my life, I did actually more work than she did, but that was because she was taking care of Hannah and Lucas's kids because they're out of town on a honeymoon or something. Um, I guess it's too late to be a honeymoon with five children, right? <laughs> and so I'm weeding. Not reading, weeding. And Mary Lee and I have an ongoing battle about weeding. And anybody that knows me and Mary Lee knows how the battle shapes up, right? Everybody knows, if you know nothing else about my wife, you know that my wife is an efficiency machine. And if you know nothing else about me, you know that I will fixate on things. Right? Some people dignify it by calling it perfectionist, but I'm such a slob, I, I, I can't own that word. But when it comes to weeding, there is a right way and a wrong way to weed. Right? Do we all know this? And the right way to weed is what? To get the roots. So every time I see Mary Lee weeding, I say, are you getting the roots? And typically, I'm not doing the weeding when I say this, all right? What are you at? That's my son-in-law. So yesterday, we're there. We're both sitting in the dirt. We're weeding, not reading, weeding. And um, I have a, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's not a trowel. It's a, a little tiny rake. Yeah, it's not, but anyhow. And I'm digging into the soil deeply enough that I can then get the weeds, not the reeds, the weeds easily. And meanwhile, Mary Lee's over there. She's kind of scratched the surface, and, and, and she's kind of just grabbing. And I see one 
and she didn't get the roots. You know, she got most of the roots, but I saw one. I said, Mary Lee, get the roots. And she said, I am getting the roots. And, I, and right then she pulled one and she said, see, I got the roots. I said, yeah, you did get the roots on that one, but you didn't get the roots on the one before. Now, this is a perfect, perfect parable for marriage. Typically, because of the way men are made, men will do violence to the healthy plant in order to get the roots. I mean, you realize that's what's going on. Mary Lee doesn't want to ruin the healthy plant by digging too deeply with the trowel, right? But I don't care. The weeds will die. Jesus has a parable about this where he talks about the servant saying, should we go out and get rid of all the weeds in the field? And Jesus says, no, let the weeds grow together with the plants. He's talking about the church, and at the last judgment, everything will be clear. And so yesterday, as, as we're having this exchange, I'm thinking about that parable, and I'm thinking about the fact that in the church, in the home, in child-rearing, in marriage, everywhere there are weeds because we live in a post-fall world. And men and women have a different way of approaching weeds. Men are determined to get the weeds, right? Women, they don't like weeds. It's not that they like weeds, but women are very concerned about nascent and, and fresh life, and they know how tenuous life is. And so women are going to be very careful to not hurt the life. So I want to get the weeds, and Mary Lee wants to get the weeds, but save the life. Now, are one or the other of them right? Yes, I'm right. <laughs> now, you know I'm kidding, but I'm not. I'm actually very serious. It is absolutely imperative that the man command his wife, his children, his employees, his servants, the man is responsible for making a decision what risk he will accept to that plant to get the weeds. Do you understand this? this is a parable for all of life. A woman may be willing to put up with long hair on the part of her teenage son. A man might have longer hair than his son, right? But a man also might have short hair and want his son to have short hair. It is not the mother's job to decide whether that's a battle that's going to be fought. It's the father's job. Now, he can go to the mother and he can say, what do you think, sweetie? And he would be an idiot not to know what his wife thinks before he proceeds, right? Right? But he has the responsibility for the formation of the soul and of the conscience and of the identity of the children in his home. He is to command his household. This is why God chose Abraham, to command his household. And yet what we have everywhere in the conservative church, let alone the world, is a hatred of male command. And so, 
the world is absolutely mind-bogglingly filled with weeds. As a matter of fact, there is no healthy grain anymore. Everything's weeds. Right is wrong, wrong is right, truth is a lie, a lie is truth. And we're to the point where we have a choice between two liars. And really, you could talk about their pride, but I think the defining characteristic of both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump is that they're both liars. And your leaders always reflect your character because you're, you vote. That's how they got where they are, we voted. And so everyone is allowing the lies to propagate, the lies to go out. I, ha I tried this last week on the blog to get a friend of mine who really likes me to correct what he said about John Calvin. And it's just like I'm blowing in the wind, you know? Nobody cares about truth anymore. And we used to say this about the culture. We used to be condemnatory of the culture that nobody cared about truth and everything was about how people felt. Well, guess what? The culture has now given birth to our pastors. And now our pastors don't care about truth. All they care about is how you feel when they communicate with you. You know, Mary, do you like me? And it's just utterly, utterly disgusting. I thank God that I had a geometry professor in high school named Mrs. McLean. God bless that woman. Red hair. And she, she lit into me. She was the only teacher that ever cared about me in high school. And it was geometry. And I went from D's to A's immediately. She wasn't concerned about how I felt about her. She was concerned that the weeds be pulled and that that perpetually uh, lazy, slothful, disgusting excuse of a teenage boy named Tim Bailey would do something right. Right? 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 And so today our world hates command authority. Hates it. Everything's supposed to be a suggestion. And all the suggestions are an exchange with you, where the person making the suggestion, right, is looking in your eyes to see whether you like his suggestion or not. And if you don't like it, then they'll modulate, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll like go around it this direction, around it this direction, you know. And listen, this is the problem. God has placed his fatherhood in man. He has not placed it in woman, although woman does have command authority also. He has placed his authority in man, and to the degree that we cede command authority in all of our lives, we lie about God. And God, when he judges us, will judge us for lying about him. And that's my Father's Day message to you. You have absolutely no excuse, none, for lying about God. 
if your children are doing poorly, it is your fault and God will judge you for it. I want to wait a long time to continue because maybe I should just stop. Well, well, but isn't that the truth? I mean, that's it. If your children are not doing well, it's your fault and God will judge you for it. And you want to trot out all the exceptions to the rules. And I say, would you please learn the rule before you give me the exceptions? Again and again and again, we have situations in this church where fathers give us all these excuses for why they're not responsible for the sin of their children. It's their wife... They didn't have a daddy. You didn't care for them the way you should have as a pastor or elders. Their job required them to be away too much. (laughs) That was for you, Bob. (laughs) Don't worry, Bob's okay. He's not resenting me, right, Bob? No, poor man. Now listen. Here's the text again. God says, I have chosen him, Abraham, so that he may what? Say it. Command. Does command sound like a suggestion? No. So that he command his children, just his children? No. And his household. Who's in the household? The wife. Okay? She, as we said it in our home, growing up, she who must be obeyed. And his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what? Righteousness and what? Justice. So that, purpose clause, right? So that what? So that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Okay? It's really simple, isn't it? Now, I want to I make a number of, of observations about our weaseliness. Do you know what I mean by weaseliness? Our, our subterfuge, our, our, our caviling, our, our conniving, our deviousness, our, our sneakiness. Because all of us are conspiring to avoid this command authority. And there are many different ways that we conspire to avoid this command authority, right? Children conspire to silence it in their father. Wives conspire to silence it in their husbands. And husbands have an endless supply of excuses for themselves. And the government is oppressing fathers that try to have command authority. So there's just this humongous pressure brought to bear 
to contravene God's clear command here that we are to command our household and our children. Now, how is this done? Well, first of all, the first way that this is, uh, that this is uh, um, not understood at the beginning is, but the first way that this is attacked is this is attacked by trying to act as if command is all about authority. And so we focus our attack on authority and we say, hey, you know, authority is earned, <laughs> you know? Any of you fathers had somebody say that to you? You know, when you have shown that you love me the way that I need to be loved, then maybe I'll submit to you. Now, they don't ever say that in this church, you know, because it's, it's just too, too blatantly wrong, right? But you've all had this, you know, if you want authority, you need to earn it, right? New pastor comes into a church and you have to earn authority, right? You have to show that you're worthy of having authority, right? So I want you to learn this. Authority is simply what must be possessed in order to carry out the responsibility that you have been given. You have been given responsibility. That's the essence. Authority is simply proving that you have responsibility. Authority is how you act in a way that shows your responsibility. Do you understand? You're being given responsibility by God to exercise authority. The authority is what you need in order to carry out your responsibilities. If you don't have authority, then you can't have responsibility. Does this make sense to you? So don't let people get you to take your eye off the ball and begin to be defensive of your authority. Authority is not the issue. It is the issue, but it's not the issue. The real issue is responsibility. God has made Abraham responsible for his family, and therefore he is to command them. Okay, God's chosen him, and he is responsible for his household and his children, and that's why he is to command them. And so the responsibility comes from God, and it is for other people. So responsibility has a two directions that it always flows. It always comes from someone and it always goes to someone. All right? So Abraham has received his responsibility from God and his responsibility is to his household and his children. All right. Now, in order for Abraham to be responsible for his household, he has to be able to command his household and command his authority. You can't be responsible for something you can't command, right? Wrong. Many of you are in positions in your home, in your marriage, and in work, and in school, where you have all kinds of responsibility and you have no authority. Right? And it drives you crazy, right? I remember a church I was at formerly where the two previous pastors had been essentially booted. And uh, when I got there, the whole church was fighting. They just fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. There were two groups in the elders, the younger and older. 
the younger and older, couldn't stand each other. You know, you'd have people walk out of meetings. You'd just, and then the church didn't have any respect for the elders. The elders told the congregation in the meeting, don't hire Tim Bailey, and then the congregation voted to hire Tim Bailey. Come on, laugh. It's really quite funny. Nobody's laughing. All right. One thing that was just precious about the church is right before I came as a senior pastor, they had an Advent wreath, and somebody forgot to blow out the Advent wreath, and it burned up the sanctuary. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a total loss, but all the upholstery and the walls and everything, it was like, it was awful. Why? Well, I called the two previous pastors and asked them to come back and preach. One of them was willing to, the other one wasn't. It was too painful, he didn't want to come back to preach. So I said to him, do you have any advice? And he said, well, Tim, he said, I, when I was the pastor of that church, I had all of the responsibility and no authority. <laughs> and that defined my life for the next four years. I was responsible as head of staff for the other employees. I was responsible for the elders. I was responsible for the church. I was responsible for the preaching. And I had no authority. None. I mean none. So about three years in, when things were heating up, I came home one day and there was a bunch of, uh, there was a bunch of books and toys all over the living room floor. And we had a basement, and we had a yard, and we had a garage, but they were all over the living room floor, right? You know? So I came in, and I said, to, that, this, this doesn't happen until you've been married 20, 25 years, okay? You have to learn to do these things. I, it was a great victory in my life where I was able to calmly explain to my, my, my wife what was going on in my gut, right? I said, Mary Lee, when I'm at work, I have the responsibility for absolutely everything. And I have absolutely no authority. I am impotent at work. And so when I come home, what I would like is to see that there's somebody that cares what I want. And I said it calmly, didn't I, love? Yeah, I wasn't angry. That was a victory. And I said, somehow, and I knew it was arbitrary, but I said, somehow the toys and the books on the living room floor just are, you know, are a symbol of my entire life. Would you please pick them up before I come home? And Mary Lee didn't get angry or defensive. She understood, right? It is absolutely horrible to have responsibility and not to have authority. But guess what? God has given you, as the father and husband, command authority. And what that means is that if there is sin that prevails in your home and in your household, it is your responsibility and you have the authority to do whatever is necessary to turn it around. Do you understand me? Don't come to the elders and the pastors and don't go to the child protective services and don't go to the judges and don't go to the police and say, well, I couldn't do anything. It is your God 
given responsibility to do what is necessary. If your children leave your home and they go wacko off the reservation, it's your fault. If your children stand before God at the judgment seat and they say, uh, well, I didn't know, it's your fault. They don't know because you didn't tell them. Do you understand this? You, as the father, happy Father's Day, this is my gift to you. You, as the father, are responsible for the climate of your home. And if the climate of your home does not allow me to come into your home and have a conversation with you without your children interrupting, you have failed. Do you understand this? If I come into your home and it smells because of the filth, you have failed as a father. If I come into your home and it's lazy and the children don't do any of the work in the home, and the mother's harried, you know, pulling her hair out because she can't keep up, you have failed. And every single one of these things are things that a husband has to... Husband! (laughs) Do you remember what the word means? Husbandry. It is taking care of dairy cows and sheep and goats. That's what husbandry is. And so you're the husband. That means that you sanctify your wife as Christ sanctifies his bride, the church. Do you see this? And yes, I don't know your wife. I don't know what particular circumstances she's had in her past that make her particularly different, difficult to husband. It doesn't matter. You married her, I didn't. And let me tell you, my wife gives me a run for my money. As a matter of fact, she gives other people a run for her money also. (laughs) Right? We had an elders meeting recently where, in the middle of the elders meeting, Wayne Huck is sitting there and my wife's name hasn't come up. And all of a sudden, Wayne stops and says, by the way, where is Mary Lee? Well, you guys, you don't get the joke. The joke is we don't have any women on our elders board. But there's a sense in which Mary Lee is always present. (laughs) Certainly with me, but it's hilarious when she's present with Wayne Huck. I mean, you'd think, where is Joyce? That's what Wayne would say, you know. But no, where is Mary Lee, right? Of course it's hard. Of course it's hard. Your desire will be for him, and he will rule over you. That's what God said. No woman is going to give in to her husband without a fight. And if you tell me you don't have any fights in your marriage, that's because the husband has no command authority. It is in the nature of woman to strive with her husband. And don't be scandalized by that. The fact is, it's in the nature of management union relationships to strive with the management. It's in the nature of doctor-nurse relationships in an office to have the nurses strive with the doctor. The clerks with the lawyers, the legislation, or the legislators with the governor. 
Congress with the president. So don't tell me that your wife has a unique set of dispositional uh, attributes that make it difficult, that she saw her father and mother fight, that don't even talk to me about it. It's your job to command your household. And if your household is filthy and nobody wants to visit, if your household is disordered and nobody can talk because the kids oppress the adults, if your house is ugly so that there's no joy, you're with me. You've been in those homes, right, where it's just ugly. It's not that people are sitting around being ugly. It's just that the home is ugly. There's no beauty. That's the failure of the father. And obviously, if the father is absent, whether emotionally or physically, it's his failure. Yes, it's hard to be a father today. It's hard to be a husband. It's hard to stay in the home when you can have sex and not have to deal with the wife and the children anymore. You know, society's not putting any pressure on us to get married anymore, right? But those children, even if you are not in the home, you will answer to God for that household. Do you understand this? And it can be the most biblically conservative homes in the world where you don't have any command authority as a father and a husband. You can parrot all the truths that Scripture teach about, you know, the husband being the head of the wife and all this, you know, about needing the pastor that preaches to be a man and the elders to be a man, but a woman can do anything a non-ordained man can. You can parrot all the truths of Scripture in the world and, and yet not have command authority in your home. And in, in the conservative biblical church, you can actually be convinced by the pastor that you won't answer to God for it. Right? You will answer to God for it. If your home and, and the souls of your children are in disarray, if they don't know the nature of God, if they don't fear God, who do you think is responsible? Your wife? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And you haven't begun to teach wisdom to your children. Yeah, Mary Lee thinks I'm over the top with my weeding. Not my reading, my weeding. But you know something? I have a whole bunch of trees in my garden right now that for a long time are not going to have weeds around them because of the work yesterday. And maybe one of them will die. But one of them will die in the sacrifice that is necessary for all of them to have a better fighting chance. I mean, honestly, isn't that the way we go about raising our children? Sometimes, if we're going to discipline our children, don't we know that it's possible that we will lose that child? 
I mean, am I, am I going into uncharted territory here? Don't we know that if we're a teacher and we discipline a particularly rebellious child who's distracting everybody in the room, that that child is pretty hip and cool, and that if we discipline that child, the whole classroom will resent us. But we discipline him because he's obstructing the educational enterprise. And then the class doesn't like us, but guess what? The class learns. Isn't it true that there are times when one child needs to be kicked out of a home because he is destroying the unity and peace of the home, right? I mean, I am the living proof. I've told you the story over and over again that my father came to me and said, you may not stay in my home because you're not honoring God. And you know, the truth is often the very child that you discipline that you think you're going to kill because you're disciplining them will be the child that will come back and love you and repent. So you think you're so smart in keeping them in the home so that the relationships stay positive so that you can work with the other kids. And you lose them all because you refuse to have command authority. Because your, your, your wife won't approve. Duh. Of course your wife doesn't approve when you're sitting there pulling weeds and everyone you get the root. It's inefficient. She's an efficiency monster. It's a threat to the relationship. She's a tender nurturer. God gave command authority to you. And part of the reason is that you can handle, generally men can handle, the, uh, the, the uh, what would I say, the men can handle the threats to relationships better than women can. Here's an idea. A woman carries a child in her womb for nine months. Here's an idea. She has the child at her breast for a year or two. Here's an idea. The man can handle threats to relationships better than the woman can. I mean, do I have to have a psychology PhD to explain this and you, for you to believe me? It's just is pretty basic. You know, you ever watched a cow give birth? You know, the cow sticks around for the calf, not the bull. Right? And so you have responsibility from God, and God never gives responsibility where he does not give authority. And the authority does not come from your wife. The authority does not come from your father who showed you how to do it. It doesn't come from the government. It doesn't come from the pastors and the elders. It comes from God. He has commanded you to keep the way of the Lord. He has commanded you to command your children to keep the way of the Lord. And you are responsible for commanding them to do everything that involves. We'll help, we'll preach, we'll teach you. But God has given you his word so that you know it inside and out. You study it and you live and breathe the word of God as you command your children and your wife. You're never given responsibility by God that he doesn't give you authority. Now, what is the result of having a father who's home, who commands? The result is purity, unity, and peace. Where there is not command authority, there's never any peace. 
peace, in a fallen world, peace depends upon authority. And so, guess what? If you're not home, if you don't have command authority in your home, there won't be peace. My wife and I talk about the fact that your children fight. I see your children fight. And I think, what on earth? You have children that fight? What is wrong with you? And I know a number of you are, are, are like thinking right now, what's he talking about? Okay, listen. Do you like it when your children fight? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Okay, so if your children fight, the reason they fight is because you like it. You say, no, I hate it. I say, he has chosen you to command your children. And one of the commands is justice, to do justice. Isn't every fight about justice? But you're such a lazy slob that you won't get at the truth. It's just annoying to you, so you deal with it as you deal with all annoyances, which is just adjust the seat so you feel more comfortable. Right? Listen, if you don't want your children to fight, I know this is very sophisticated and deep, but let me say it to you. Don't let them fight. Don't let them fight. And you say, well, that's impossible. I say, oh, no, it isn't. There are so many ways of keeping your children from fighting. But it has to start with you believing that God has given you command authority. And I hate to tell you, but a whole host of you don't believe you have command authority. I watch you with your wife. I watch you with your children. It's pathetic. And listen, I'm not saying this because I like to be a leader. Honestly, if the truth be known about me, myself, and I, when I was the number two to Danny, my older brother's number one, I have never been happier in my life. And ever since then, I've had a sense that I have to be a leader, but that I'm not suited for it. Okay, you can laugh at that all you want, but that's the reality of me. Danny was the leader, and then Danny died. Okay, don't you make this about me. Don't you make this about Abraham. Don't you make this about, you know, David Carell or, or Barack Obama or, you know, don't, it, this is about nobody but you. God has given you command authority. Your children fight. The reason they fight is you've decided you like having your children fight. You say, no, I don't like it. I say, then you must not have command authority. I mean, those are the only two options. Either you don't have command authority or you like to have your children fight. And you say, well, no, there's nothing I can do about it. And I say, do you have command authority? And you say, well, not over that I don't. And I say, well, God says that he has called you so that you will command your children. And you say, well, you don't know how difficult it is to keep my kids from fighting. And I say, yeah, right, I don't know how difficult it is. You know, just like I don't know how hard it is to lead a wife. Isn't it nice that you can have a pastor who doesn't have any idea how hard it is for you to be a husband and how hard it is for you to be a father? I mean, it just makes me able to preach just chipper, you know? I can just sort of say, okay, everybody, now we're going to do this, and, and that's what I did. 
Don't be stupid. I'm not saying this because I have insensitivity about the difficulty of the job. If your children fight, either you don't have command authority or you like your children fighting. Do you hear me? It is the simplest thing in the world to stop your children from fighting. If you have a child who's proud, it's because either you don't have command authority or you like your daughter proud. I mean, do you think you have the ability of doing what God commanded, which is what? Righteousness and justice. Do you think God lied? Do you think you have the ability of forming the character of your children? Do you think that's why you're in the home? Do you think that's why God called you? So that your children would be formed in their character and their faith so that they would keep the way of the Lord and so God would pour the blessings out on them. It's no mystery why cows turn out a certain way. It's no mystery why sheep turn out, why chickens turn out a certain way. And if you go onto Craigslist and you read through the farm section, which is the only section I read through, what you'll find is that everybody's arguing about the character of their chickens and their pigs and their, and their miniature horses and everything. And they have little labels that they give them. And those labels tell you what the character of those animals are. You with me? What about your children? Give the label. Now, I'm not going to use any names, but you, you, you give me your last name, and you put that label on it. We all know what that means about your children, right? 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 Proud. Loud. Unable to be restrained. Interruptive. Knock, knock. Interrupting cow. Moo. Is that your children? That's because either you, you deny you have command authority or you like interrupting children. Everything in this world is conspiring to get you to not command anybody. People will tell you that you should be a servant leader, and it sounds so righteous, so sanctimonious. You should be a servant leader, and what that means is you should never, ever go up against your wife, because who in the world in that household is going to think you're a servant leader if you say no to your wife? I mean, everybody knows that servant leaders in marriage and family life start by never saying no to their wife, right? We all know this. And so you're going to lose your reputation for being a servant leader. Listen, Jesus did wash their feet, but for every foot washing, there were a hundred rebukes of his disciples. And at the end of his life, do you remember what Jesus said? I think it's one of the most glorious statements in all the Gospels. At the end of his life, he said to his father in the high priestly prayer, what? He said, of those you gave me, I have lost none except, what? The son of perdition, Judas. Because it was the decree of God that Judas would be lost. And now God has given you, your wife and your children, and you are the husband and the father.
And he, our heavenly father, commands you to command them. And he will hold you accountable for the character of your wife and your children. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. You say, well, I'm the wife, and I can't get my husband to command. I say, this is not Mother's Day. This is Father's Day. And I am a father of the church with the elders and deacons. My wife is a mother of the church, a mother in Israel. And we have authorities in the church that are analogous to the authority at home. We are to command you. That's what I'm doing today. <laughs> Do you like it? Listen, here's the truth. Some of you are bitter and resentful right now, but most of you will love me because of what I've just done. And what have I done? I've told you that you're failing. I've admonished you. I've rebuked you. And so either you live by faith, knowing that that's the character of God to admonish and rebuke those he loves, or you have no tuning of your ear, no perfect pitch to know that God loves those he chastens and chastens those he loves. And so when a preacher does it, you think, well, you know something? That guy's a real ass. And I go, yep, that is true. But I have noticed through all of life that there is no, nobody who holds an office who is not an ass. Because we are sinners. And so if a wife doesn't have to submit to her husband until her husband loves her as Christ loved the church, there will never ever in the history of the world be any wife that submits to her husband. But what's sauce for the gander is sauce for the goose. If the husband doesn't love the wife, or if the wife doesn't submit to the husband the way the church submits to Jesus Christ, then the good thing is that the husband doesn't have to love the wife because the wife isn't submitting the way she should. But of course, you never hear that argument. <laughs> you know, it always goes one way. And what does that indicate to us? That indicates to us that the husband has command authority because he's the only one anybody ever bothers to attack. <laughs> you know, why bother attacking my wife? She's not the one with command authority, although sometimes the elders and pastors think she is. Listen. We're weak, we're timid, we're fearful. We don't want a bad reputation. The entire world is conspiring to deny the command of God here. And the truth is, it doesn't matter how much opposition there is to this. It doesn't matter what your wife or your in-laws think of you. It doesn't matter how many times Child Protective Services visits your home for doing what is right. Not what is wrong, but what is right. One day soon you will stand before God. And when you stand before God, you will answer for those that he gave you. As Jesus answered for those that God gave him. And so... 
live by faith. Live by faith. Live by faith. Those of you who aren't married yet, choose carefully because you will have command authority and responsibility. And you want a wife who will work in synchronicity with you, in harmony with you, with the grain with you. In the first service, what I did was I read this, and Jody and David told me not to read it again. And so I didn't. And then as we were leaving the office, David said to me, Pastor Max, he said to me, whatever you do, don't read it and preach it. So I haven't read it to you. But I would like you to go on the blog. It's on the blog the way I would have read it to you. And I want you to read it. I want you to meditate on all the sneaky ways we try to fight against this truth of fatherhood and what it is and what God has made it to be. So that's baileyblog.com. And uh, I, I do understand, you know I understand the difficulties of being a father and a husband. I'll end with one story. I started the previous sermon with this story. There was a time when um, in our family, all of our family members had told one of my children to stop something. And I, I heard about it from my wife that this child had told this child to stop, this child had told this child, this child. And my wife had told this child to stop. And finally, there was nobody left but me. I was the only one that had not addressed the issue. And so, because I had command authority, I had to deal with the child. Because, of course, all the siblings and the mother were right. Absolutely right. And so I met with the child and asked that child why all the others had not been able to bring them to repentance, to get them to change the course they were walking on. It was a very serious issue. And... That child said that everybody had been right in what they'd said, and we left that meeting with that child committed to stopping the thing that, was, that needed to stop. Then about four weeks later, two weeks, six weeks, somewhere around there, my wife began to drop little hints. You know what a wife's hint is. Um letting me know that the agreement I had reached with the child apparently wasn't uh, still in play or was still being followed. And that there were reasons to believe this child was now doing, the, or at least contemplating doing the thing again. Well, I didn't want to hear that, and so we went through the same old rigmarole where the siblings talked to the child, and then the wife talked to the child, and then it was me. And... After you've had the agreement of the child once, and the agreement's been clear, and then it starts up again, you don't have any place left to modify, modulate, calm. 
we're now in the situation where there is nothing left but command authority. You, are you with me? But the problem is that when you're at the point where there's nothing left but command authority, you can't put in play your relationship. You can't put in play your affection. You can't put in play your, your patience and your understanding and your long-suffering. Because that's been going on and still has not produced what you need to have it produced. And so guess what? All that's left is command authority. And of course, when you get to that point, you want to make sure that your command authority is focused on something of eternal consequences where the Bible is clear. And let me tell you, these were eternal consequences. The Bible was clear. My whole family, people in the church, everybody was unified. And now it was up to me. Everything that could have been done short of command authority. Now, what does a father think at that time? What a father always thinks is this could be the end of this child and our family. Think of the privilege of me having had my family precede me, <laughs> you know? I didn't need to worry about them resenting what I was about to do. I knew if I didn't do what I was about to do that they would resent me. And so I had it in my mind that this could be the end of my relationship with this child permanently. We're not just talking about for a couple months. I knew that I was facing the possible loss of this child. And I went into that meeting with prayer, fear and trembling, and sickness unto death. And God was gracious and gave us that child back, partly through the discipline of the elders, uh, partly through the kids, partly through my wife, partly through my actions. Listen, at every point, including when the elders dealt with that child later, I could have rebelled. I could have resented the elders. I could have said that the elders weren't perfect. I could have told Tim Bailey to shut up. I could have told any number of people to shut up. There were things that they got wrong. We are responsible for the results in the life of our children. They are to do righteousness and justice. They are to be formed in the character of God. And it is our obligation to command them. And you say, well, where's grace? Where's the blood of Jesus Christ? And I say, oh, if you have command authority, there will be innumerable occasions for everyone to plead the blood of Jesus for your failures, for your children's failures, for your wife's failures. But the question is, will you be commanding as you sin? Or will you be abdicating? <laughs> and abdicating is pathetic. You know... Can we all agree on that? Abdicators are just the most pathetic people. Because abdicators act as if God hasn't given them a command. And his command is clear. One more time, here's his command. For I have chosen him, Abraham, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. You say, I can't do that. And I say, oh yeah, you can. You say, how do you know I can? I say, because God's commanded it. And what God commands, he gives you the ability to fulfill. 
So you plead with God, and he'll give you everything you need. Okay? One more time, happy Father's Day. You're welcome. Now let's come to the Lord's table and feast. All right?